If you have your Bible before you this morning, we're turning to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy in chapter 2, please. 2 Timothy in chapter 2. And we're reading a few verses together, and then we're going to chapter 4. And it was just of the Lord that Alan spoke on that last, Wednesday, or last Sunday morning, uh, because we just really felt even before last Sunday that the Lord had laid this word upon our heart. And it's wonderful to know that the Lord brings these messages together. And so we know that the Lord has something to say uh, to us today. Second Timothy, please, in chapter 2. And commencing to read at verse 1. And take your time and find the place. And Paul says to young Timothy, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me, among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Thou, therefore, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Just put your finger in there, and you may not need to turn over, but to chapter 4 and to verse 7, please. And then just leave your Bible open back at chapter 2. Just a few words of verse 7. I have fought a good fight. And we know that the Lord will add a blessing to the reading of his word to our hearts uh, this morning. History is full of great men and women. And I'm sure if you have any interest in history or if you remember back to the days whenever you were at school, there are certain individuals that stand out in history as great people. Because of the great things that they did and because of the great accomplishments that they made. One of the greatest men that ever lived, after the person of the Lord Jesus who not only affected the church, but affected the world, is this man that we've been reading about this morning, the Apostle Paul. And if you get a time in your life and get a little chance of opportunity in the study, is go through the life of the Apostle Paul. He's that character in the Bible that stands out among the black velvet background of time as a beacon that flashes, as a star would stand out in a clear winter's night. He was that man that was born out of due time. He was the man that God put his hand upon. And I'm sure this morning that that ought to be the desire of all of our heart, that the Lord would lay his hand upon us. And I'm sure what was said of John the Baptist could be said of the Apostle Paul. He came as a burning and a shining light. He was that man. He was a small man. The word Paul means small. He was a small man that became a big man. And while the Apostle Paul may have been small in stature, he definitely was great in his spirituality. He was that man that grew in the things of God. And I can tell you, my dear people, this morning that every single one of us have an obligation to grow in relation to your spirituality. Spirituality. 
to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Some people grew quicker than others, but we all need to be men and women that are progressing in our Christian life, men and women that are gaining ground for God. Here's something for you to study during the week. There's seven young men in the Bible that God used. And every one of them, it says of them that they grew. They were men and women, and men here particularly, that God put his hand upon. And every one of them grew in their maturity in relation to God. And you know, we could, it's good to ask ourselves that question. How much have we grew? How much have I grew over the years? Is there any growth in my life? Is there any progress? Do I, do I know more of God today than I did last Sunday morning? Uh, am I progressing in my spirituality? Am I getting to know him in a way that hitherto I have never knew him before? Well, the Apostle Paul was such a man as that. He was a man that grew in relation to God. He wasn't always like that. And I want you to come with me for a little moment this morning as I paint a picture for you in the best way that I can of this man that God mightily used. I want you to think for me for a moment or two about the brutality that he displayed. This little man, the Apostle Paul, before he was saved, he was known as Saul of Tarsus. He was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He was circumcised the eighth day. He said, as touching the law, I was a Pharisee. Concerning my zeal, I persecuted the church. Concerning the righteousness of the law, he said, I was blameless. And this little man, my, he was a Pharisee. He was so sincere, but he was wrong. And you know, my dear people, this morning our nation is full of good people. And they're so sincere in the religion in which they're involved. But you can be sincere and be sincerely wrong. And this man, the Saul of Tarsus, he grew with a venom in his heart against the things of the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't mind religion. He didn't mind the sacrifices. He didn't mind the old Judaic religion. But he did not like the person of the Lord Jesus. In fact, the Bible says that he went about breathing out threatenings and slaughter. It was whenever Stephen, the first martyr of the church, was being martyred that the Bible says in Acts chapter 7 that they cast their clothes at the feet of a young man called Saul. And here was Saul, this young man, and he, he stood and he observed the men of his day stoning Stephen. And they got boulder after boulder and they brought to death the first martyr of the church. It says in Acts chapter 8 that he went and made havoc of the church. And this man that was filled with venom in his heart against the Lord Jesus Christ, he hated the person of Christ. He hated Christians. And what Hitler was to the Jews, this man wanted to be to the church. He had a letter in his pocket and he was making his way down the Damascus Road, breathing out threatenings and slaughter. Every breath that came out of his mouth, every thought that went through his mind, every word that came from his lips, my was filled with venom and hatred towards the people of the Lord. That's the case today. That's still the same today. And as this man made his way down the Damascus Road, suddenly there was an intervention from heaven. And the Bible says that there was a light. And the Apostle Paul, at that moment, Saul, fell to the ground. And there, in the dirt and in the dust of the Damascus Road, he said, Lord, who, who art thou? 
And the voice came back. It was the risen, exalted Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. You would never have knew this man was under conviction. If you had seen the Apostle Paul with maybe the soldiers round him as he made his way to Damascus, you would never have thought that he was under conviction. But the Lord Jesus said, it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I'm so encouraged when I read that because someone must have been praying for the Apostle Paul. Maybe it was a mother, maybe it was a friend, maybe it was someone in the community, and they took the Apostle Paul upon their heart in prayer. And just like you parents that are praying for your children, keep doing that because God can come suddenly. And the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus, by he had that encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus said, it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And Paul says, who is it? Lord, is it you? Is it really the Lord? And the Lord Jesus said, it is me, it is I. And you know, in that prayer, the Apostle Paul, he came from darkness into light. There groveling in the dust and in the dirt of the Damascus road. That man that was a persecutor became a preacher. That man that was a murderer became a missionary. That man that prior to this experience was so filled with venom and hate towards the people of God, now he began to have a love for them and he was totally transformed. He was totally, he was totally changed. This man that met the Lord Jesus, my dear people, that's the answer this morning. And if you're praying for your children and if you're praying for your family and friends, pray that in your prayer as, Lord, I cry that to thee and I pray today that they will have an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ because whenever he comes, I can tell you, my dear people, he changes things. And if you're in this meeting this morning and you're not saved, no matter who you are or how old you are, the person of the Lord Jesus is the answer to your every need. He's the one that is able to save you and to keep you and to bless you. And here the Apostle Paul, he gets up from the Damascus road. After having met the Lord Jesus Christ, my has seen his glory and his majesty and he gets up and he's saved by the grace of God. What a change. And there's not only the brutality that he displayed, but there was the blessings that he found. My, the Apostle Paul could begin to sing as he made his way to Damascus. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. I'm possessed with the hope that is steadfast and sure since Jesus came into my heart. And here he makes his way to the city of Damascus. And if you want to discover some of the blessings that the Apostle Paul found that day, read through the letter of his letter to Romans. Read through the letter to the church at Ephesus. Read through the letter to the church at Colossae. And you'll discover all of the blessings that he enjoyed to the very day that he died. Redemption, adoption, justification and redemption. And on and on you could go. And there was the blessings that he found. And I'm sure that the Apostle Paul could have said, like W.P. Nicholson, he could say, I found something that day that I never want to lose. And I lost something that day that I never want to find again. There's not only the brutality that he showed and the blessings that he found, there's the blaze that he fueled. This little man was on fire for God. This little man that had this transformation in his life was never the same again. 
You know, there's something that I have learned over the years is this. That if you ever come in contact with a child of God that is on fire for God, they're infectious. There's something about them that draws you to them. There's something that you like to be in their company. uh, And they warm your soul and they encourage you to go on with God. The Apostle Paul was a man that was on fire for God. He, he was as that man, I can tell you, that blazed a trail through the hills of Judea, through Asia, and even into Europe. He was the man that God put his hand upon. He was the man that died to self. The word Saul means desire. And there on the Damascus road, Saul, he died to his own desire. He died to his own ambitions, and he died to his own agenda. And he said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And what a wonderful prayer that was. But the Apostle Paul, he stoked the fire. And my dear people this morning, I want to encourage you this morning that if you have a desire to go on with God, surround yourself with people that have a desire to go through. Don't really be taken up with those that have a great agenda for the world. Don't really spend too much time with people that don't have any desire for God. But surround yourself with people that have a real appetite for the things of God, have a real appetite for the Word, that have a real desire to go on and go through with Him. Surround yourself with such people, because in these last days, perilous times will come, and the love of many shall wax cold, and we need to encourage one another, and we need to fan the flame in our heart. He was a fire-baptized man. And here this little man, the Apostle Paul, he starts his life for Christ. He steps out. But quickly, there's not only the blessings that he found, and there's not only the blaze that he fueled, there's the burden that he felt. From that very moment on the Damascus road, from that very moment when he went out breathing out threatenings and slaughter, that, from that very moment whenever he had an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, you know what Paul had? He had a passion for souls. He had an infectious burden in his heart for men and women. And one of the concerns of my own soul, and one of the concerns I have for the evangelical church today, that many of us have lost the passion for souls, that many of us have lost the burden, that many of us have lost the vision. And this is what the Apostle Paul said. He said, I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart, for I could wish myself accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. He said, my continual prayer and heart's desire to God is that my people, my, my, my own people would be saved. And he had a desire in his heart to win men and women to Christ. And the Apostle Paul, I can tell you, that moment that he got up from the dust of the Damascus road, I can tell you he knew what it was to lead souls to Christ. Have you ever led a soul to Christ? You ever got down beside somebody and You've just opened the Word of God in your own simple way. You don't need to be a theologian to lead a soul to Christ. You know, D.L. Moody, whenever he started his Bible college, one of the criteria that he set out for anybody to go into the ministry was that you needed to lead at least two souls to the Lord in your previous life. And I want to encourage you today that from this moment on that every one of us would pray, Lord, make me a soul winner. Lord, may I get to heaven and may I have not only jewels in my crown, but may I have souls at my side. May I be a man or woman that will go out of my way to win men and women to Christ. 
And the Apostle Paul said, I became all things to all men, that by all means I might save some. And I want to encourage you this morning to really make yourself a soul winner. And here was this little man stepping out in his life for God. My, there was the blessing that he found. There was the blaze that he fueled. There was the, the burdens I can tell you that he faced. But this is what I want to talk to you about as I close today. There was the battles that he fought. And I tell you, my dear people, we don't have to be too long saved and too long in the road for Christ until we get into the battle. There's no, con no, there's no conscious objectors in the, in, the, in the army of Christ. There's nobody that can really sit on the sidelines. You're either for him or you're against him. And this little man, the Apostle Paul, I can tell you, he came into the Lord's armory and he fought a good fight. He was a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now if you cast your eye for a moment to verse 3 of 2 Timothy chapter 2, and he tells the, this young man, Timothy, what sort of soldiers that God is looking for in his army. What's the criteria of being a good soldier of Jesus Christ? What is the characteristics of people that the Lord is looking for? Well, the first thing that he's looking for in verse 3 He's looking soldiers to be faithful. Do you see there in verse 3 it says that thou endure hardness as a good soldier? That word endure there is the word to hold on. It's the word to hold tight. And you know there's times whenever the gale comes and there's times whenever the enemy seems to surround us and all hope seems to be gone. My dear people, here's exactly what you and I need to do in the battle is to be faithful Hold on to God. Hold on. And maybe there's a parent here today and all hell is breaking loose in your family. Maybe there's someone here today and all hell is breaking loose in your health and even in your mind and you're ready to give in, throw in the sponge as it were and say, Lord, I can't take it anymore. It is enough. Just take away my life. Here's a word from God to your soul today. Hold on. Hold on. Just to be faithful. But not only to be faithful, he's looking soldiers to be fearless. And if you cast your eye again to verse 3, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And my dear people, I can tell you that's exactly what a soldier does. A soldier goes into battle, hand-to-hand -hand combat. And whenever you and I got saved, I can tell you we didn't just rest on our laurels and we're not going to be carried to the sky on flurry, flurry beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and sail through bloody seas. We're in the battle this morning. And we have to be faithful and we have to be fearless. And you go through the scriptures and discover sometimes that little phrase, fear not, don't be afraid of the enemy. But there's one other characteristic of a soldier. One other trait that God is looking for, not only to be faithful and not only to be fearless, they're to be free. Look at verse 4. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. You see that word entangle there? It's the word to weave. It's the word to go in and out. It's the word to be engrossed. You'll remember when the Lord Jesus was talking about the parable of the, the sower. And he talked about those that were cast there and the seed fell among the thorns. 
And the thorns grew up, and you know what it did? It choked the good seed of the word. They were smothered. And my dear people, I want to tell you, if you and I are going to be effective in the battle for Christ, if you and I are going to be able to say like the Apostle Paul, at the end of our days, I have fought a good fight, we'll need to be faithful, we'll need to be fearless, and we'll need to be free. Don't be entangled in the things of this world. And if you and I are taken up with our family, and indeed our work, and with the attractions of this life, more than the Lord Jesus Christ, I can tell you, we'll never be good soldiers. I met a man one day in the, in the doors and we were talking about certain things and he used the word free. And I just said to him what our brother Bertie said to me one time, you're free to do nothing. You know, my dear people, there's many here today and God would love to use you. And you have a gifting and you have an ability that I do not have. And you're a member in the body. And God has gifted you and called you and he has placed you into his body. And he would love to use you. But just like a soldier that jumps out of an airplane there in the parachute and he gets all entangled and all tied up with the ropes, he can't fight. And so many people are tied up with this agenda and that agenda, tied up with this job and with making money and with this society and that society and with this hobby and with that hobby, and God can't get his hand upon it. Oh, my dear people, a good soldier of Jesus Christ needs to be free. Cast your eye to the end of verse 4, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a good soldier. And that ought to be the desire of all of our hearts is, Lord, I want to please you. It doesn't really matter, Lord, how many enemies I make in this world. It doesn't really matter who else I please, but I want to please you with all of my heart. I want to be like Enoch, and I want to have that testimony that Enoch pleased God and all that he did, all that he said. My dear people, that's a good soldier. To be able to go where the Lord tells you to go, that you're free, that you're faithful and you're fearless. He says, go and see that person. Lord, I'll do it. I want you to pray for this individual in the place of prayer. Lord, I've got free time to do that. The Lord says, I want you to go and get involved in that work or this work. And you're a free agent. You can do what God tells you to do. My dear people, don't weave yourselves too close to the world. Don't put your roots down too deep. We're only pilgrims and we're passing through. It says in 1 Chronicles chapter 5 and verse 20, concerning the children of Gad and Reuben, that they cried unto the Lord in the battle, and they were entreated of him. You'll remember whenever David went down into the valley of Elah, and there he saw Goliath, that mighty man, big in his stature, with his sword in his hand, and there was no sword like it in all of the land. And David went down, and he lifted the little stones from the brook and put them into a shepherd's bag. And he walked towards the enemy, a picture of the devil. And there, I can tell you, David went down, a picture of David's greater son. And he went down into the valley, and with one stone he slew the enemy. You know why? He was faithful, he was fearless, and he was free to do it. Oh, my dear people, don't get to heaven and... God showed you the plan of your life and say, oh, I wish I had done it. But the Lord said, you were all tangled up. You were so tied up in this thing and so tied up in that that I couldn't get you to do it. And I, ask, I want to ask you that question. Are you, are you available for God today? Honestly? Are you available for the Lord to use in the battle? Are you even in the battle today? 
And I want to, in closing, talk to you about some battles that the Apostle Paul fought. This little man that got up, and I hope you can see him in your mind's eye this morning, he got up from the dust of the Damascus Road. This little man with the burden, this little man with the blessing, this little man, I can tell you, with the battles that he was going to face. And here he goes and he says, I want to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I don't want to please anyone else in my life. I have one agenda and one desire, and that is to please my master with all of my heart. He was a zealot. The first battle and one of the battles I want to bring before you today is some of the battles that maybe some people here are in at this very moment. Maybe you could be sitting here today and this battle that I'm going to mention now is the very battle that you're fighting. And maybe you feel like the Apostle Paul at times, why it can be a fierce battle and so it can. And maybe you feel like throwing in the towel and maybe you feel like giving up. You know what the battle is? Fierce opposition. Let me say that again. Fierce opposition. From the moment that this little man got saved, from the moment that this man come under the lordship of Jesus Christ, where he gave his life completely over to God, everywhere he went, he was opposed. Every time that he preached, men and women resisted the message that he declared. Even in Damascus, when he got there, my, and he preached in the synagogue, Maya says that the Jews, they rose up to kill him, and they had to let him out of a window, down out through a basket, and he had to flee for his life. Whenever he got to Iconium, they took him out of the city and they stoned him. And it says that they left him for dead. And you know what happened when he lay there outside that city of Iconium? Lying, dying, with blood coming out of him, the people thought that he was dead. You know what happened? The Bible says that he arose and went back into the city. The very people that stoned him, the very people that opposed him, he got up and went back, back into the city again. Whenever he got to Corinth, they opposed him. Whenever he went to Philippi, they opposed him. They put him in prison. Whenever he got to Thessalonica, whenever he got to Ephesus, you know what he said? He said, I fought with beasts at Ephesus. Men and women that opposed me. I just wanted to serve Jesus Christ. I wanted to do his bidding. I wanted to do his will. And every time I stood out to do it, men and women resisted me and opposed me. And this is what he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. A great door was opened unto me with many adversaries. And that word adversaries there is the word with much opposition. And my dear people this morning, let me tell you, as you and I get closer to the coming of the Lord, as you and I go down into these last closing moments and seconds of time, I want to tell you this, that the opposition will get greater and greater and greater. And like Jacob, he could have said, all these things be against me. And you and I will face the battle of opposition. You and I will know what it is to stand for God, whether it's in our community, whether it's in the workplace, whether even in the home. And men and women will oppose us. And there was a young girl on the Friday night the other week. She said, Stephen, ever since I've got saved, everybody seems to be against me. My dear people, that's the battle. But oh, thank God, and we sing it, and I would love to sing it this morning, that there's more of us than there is of them. We're on the winning side. With banners unfurled, we'll tell all the world that Jesus, he is the captain and guide. There's not to fear while he is near. 
Though fierce the conflict may be, for we'll never give in in the fight against them. For in Christ there's victory, and don't give in, don't give up. And if you young people are in school and they're mocking you and making fun of you and making a fool of you, stand for Christ and square your shoulders. Don't blush whenever you mention his name. And if you're in a home today and your parents are opposing you or your children are opposing you and you're saved and they're not saved and all hell seems to be against you, you just square your shoulders and go on for God. That's it. That's the mentality that the Apostle Paul had. That's the mentality he had from that moment that he got up from the Damascus Road and he could say all that are godly will suffer persecution. Whenever he was writing to the believers at Corinth, listen to this. He said, we were pressed out of measure above strength and so much that we despaired even of life. And the Apostle Paul did come to those times in his life where he said, I can take it no more. And maybe that's the language of your own heart. Maybe that has been the vocabulary of your own prayer life in the last number of days. Lord, I can't take it anymore. The opposition is so great. The more that I pray, the more that I witness, the more that I serve, all hell seems to be coming against me. You see that word pressed? Whenever he said we're pressed out of measure, it's used in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now I want you to remember this today. Not every day in the Christian life is a mountaintop experience. Not every day is a Mount of Transfiguration Day. But I can tell you, my dear people, God will bring us into the Garden of Gethsemane. And that word press means to be pressed down with a heavy weight. And whenever the olives were brought into the press in the Garden of Gethsemane, the olive press, they were all put in, and you know what happened? They put the weight on them. And the greater the weight, the more oil there came. And I can tell you, so it is in the life walking with God. The more pressure that comes upon a life, there's more oil. There's more oil. The more pressure that God puts upon us, and he'll never test us more than we're able to bear. But my, my dear people, there's the oil. There's the oil. The person of the Holy Spirit comes, and the oil comes out of the life. There has to be the pressure. There has to be the Garden of Gethsemane. And if the Lord Jesus went into the garden, do you not think we would need to go? If he was in agony, do you not think there'll be times whenever we'll be in agony? If there's times whenever he looked into the cup and there he contemplated what was ahead of him, I can tell you, my dear people, that's exactly what will happen to us if we intend to go on to God, on with God, and the pressure will come on and the weight will get heavier and heavier. The word is to be, to be pressed out of measure. But whenever you and I are pressed out of measure, thank God there's the oil that comes out. There's the oil. And the person of the Holy Spirit is a lovely picture of the oil. And he says, without were fightings and within were fears. I tell you, Joseph knew all about opposition. We heard about him on Wednesday night. That young man that stood for God and his brothers rose up with hatred against him and sold him as a slave. But Joseph just stood his ground. He just lived for God. I can tell you, David knew all about it. Daniel knew all about it. My, whenever Luther and the Holy Spirit opened Luther's eyes, and showed him that there was justification by faith alone. Whenever he went down into the diet of worms there, and he stood, and all of the cardinals were before him, and all of the men were going to tear him to pieces, this is what Luther said, I stand here alone, I can do nothing else. 
Oh, my dear people, what a mentality to have. Tinsdale knew all about it. John Knox knew all about it. The Salvation Army knew all about it. And I'll tell you even more than that, the Lord Jesus knew all about it. Whenever they rose up and he came to his own people and his own people received him not, my, they came with venom in their heart against him, but from the track he turned not back. And he set his face as a flint to go towards Jerusalem. And he squared his shoulders and he went towards the cross. And I'm so glad that he went. I'm so glad that he went through the garden. I'm so glad that he went through all of the testings and all of the trying. And he came out the mighty captain of our salvation, the victor, Emmanuel, God with us. And my dear people, that's what it means to follow him. Follow him. I have decided to follow Jesus. Everywhere, anywhere, I will follow on. That was the opposition that he faced. And maybe that's exactly the battle that you're fighting today. A battle of fierce opposition. But quickly, there's another one that he fought. And I haven't got time today, and I'm not going to bore you with them all. But there's another battle that the Apostle Paul was continually fighting. You know what it was? Not just fierce opposition, but false doctrine. Everywhere where Paul went, he had to defend the truths of the Word of God. And there were three groups of people that he continually fought with. There were those Gnostics, and what Gnostics were, they were men that spiritualized everything, and they, they mixed theology, and they mixed tradition, and they mixed ideologies of men, and all of the Greek myths together. And what they said was, whenever you're saved, you can live whatever way you want. And the terminology today, they're the liberalists. Use the grace of God as a cloak for sin. Use the grace of God as a doormat for your sin. My dear people, you can't do that. You can't do that. Whenever you and I get saved, I can tell you why we're free. Oh, bless God, why we have indeed the precious blood that covers us. We don't have a license to sin. We're to be a peculiar people. To be a holy people. To be come out from the world and to turn away from sin and to live a life of holiness and godliness. To be different people. I can tell you that's exactly what Paul thought. My, these people that wanted to live whatever way they wanted. And Paul talked about them and called them false apostles, deceitful workers. There's another group that he fought with. And they not only were the Gnostics, they were the liberalists. They were the Judaizers and they were the legalists. And what happens was these men that got saved out of Judaism, what they did was they took Christ and then they put the little word and after it. You need to have Christ and circumcision. You need to have Christ and the law. You need to have Christ and their traditions of, of the Jewish system. And they added all of these things on to the simplicity of the gospel. And Paul said that they polluted the word of God. And my dear people, we can't add to the word of God. We hear people today talking about taking away from the, the Word of God. But the Lord Jesus said in Revelation chapter 22, He says that he that taketh away from the Word, I will take away his part from the book of life, but he that addeth to it, I will add unto him the plagues that are written in the book. Tad on works, tad on tradition, tad on your own opinions. My dear people, you can't do that. I got a letter the other day. My brother Bertie gave it to me. And Bertie has told me never to open a letter before a meeting, and neither I will. 
And I got home that Sunday afternoon and I opened the letter and maybe you're listening, maybe it's even you, maybe you're here today and you wrote it to me, I don't know. But the man said in the letter, and I think it was a man's writing, he said, you know, you'd need to be educated whenever you're preaching that we're still under the law. My dear people, I want to tell you, no matter how hard you and I try, you will never keep the law in your own ability. I can tell you that's why the, the life of the Spirit of life in Christ has set us free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and by a sacrifice for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. And what happens is whenever you and I get saved and you surrender your life, and I'll never stop preaching it, whenever you and I yield ourselves lock, stock, and bar to God and say, Lord, I can't do the Christian life, I can't be the person that you want me to do. I can do the exteriors, but my heart is deceitful. I'm unclean, I'm defiled, and everyone thinks I'm doing well, but oh, I'm defeated inside. Whenever you get to that place, and you give your life over to God, and you say, Lord, will you come in and will you fill me? You know what happens? The Holy Spirit keeps the law that you and I could never keep. That's why it says this, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. And what the Holy Spirit wants to do is if he has con control of your life, you'll not murder if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, let me tell you. Neither will you even hate a brother. You'll have no problem, I can tell you, with slander or lies when you're filled with the Holy Ghost. Because he comes and lives through us and does in us what we can never do. And my dear people, so many people are still trying to please God by the labors of their own hands. You can't do it. But oh, bless God for the one who comes in and he satisfies himself through us. That he comes in and takes full possession and he conforms us into the image of Christ. That men and women say, my, there's a mark upon that man. There's something different about that woman. It's not really what they say or how they dress. And all of that is a wonderful thing to do. To have the exteriors, we need to uphold that. But oh, to have the infilling and outflowing of the person of Christ. That's what Paul said. That the law of the spirit of life in Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. And I would say to the man that penned the letter, whether you're here today or whether you're listening to me, I can tell you no matter how theologically minded you are, you'll never please God by what you do. Never do it. But oh, whenever he comes. Whenever he comes, I can tell you, and whenever he lives in us. Whenever he comes and he automatically will keep the word of God. He will automatically do in us what we can never do. And he will please himself through us. Oh, my dear people, that's it. And you know the saddest thing about it all? Peter got caught up with that. And Paul said that he was to be blamed and I was stood him to the face. My, he was caught up with adding things onto Christ. And he was putting prohibitions in here and putting prohibitions in there. And they were taking away the liberty of the people of God. My dear people, one of the reasons why we're not free one of the reasons why there's so little joy, one of the reasons why you men are dry around the table, you know why it is? You're all trying to do it in the activity of the flesh. But oh, I want to encourage you today. Let every one of us come to the place and say, Lord, I, I'm not going to try to please you anymore. I'm asking you to come into my life, Lord, and I'm asking you to flow through me. That's it. To please Christ and to do what he wants us to do. I'll give you another one and then we'll close. 
Because there's not only was the fierce opposition, and there not only was false doctrine, there was the forces of darkness. I can tell you the Apostle Paul knew what it was to wrestle. Wrestle against the principalities and powers. He was walking down through the streets of Philippi, and there was a young damsel there, and she was possessed with a spirit of divination. And the Apostle Paul turned round to her in the power of the Spirit of God and with the Word of God, and he, he drove the enemy back. Is it any but wonder he said, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers? Whenever he was going to go to the, the city of Thessalonica, he said, Satan did hinder us. That word is to detain us. And that word is what happens. You'll maybe see a road man and he'll be breaking up the road and the tarmac's all broken up and you can't drive over it. There's an obstacle there. There's a barrier. And he puts, the enemy puts things in our life and puts things in our way to hinder us going on from God, whether it's in the place of prayer. And you'll get down to pray and all of the things come into your mind. The phone will ring, the child will cry, the dog will bark. And the enemy comes to divert us and distract us. Whenever we read the Word of God, whenever we do the will of God, on and on we could go, but oh, thank God, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And if you know this morning something about this satanical battle, if you know something about this, the, 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 the forces of darkness, I can tell you we're not left on our own. And that's where the blood of Christ comes in. And that's where the empty tomb comes in. And that's where the man and the glory comes in. Because whenever you and I are surrounded by the forces of darkness, and at times you can even feel them assailing against them, oh, thank God for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's victory in that name. And there's not one of us can tackle the forces of darkness in our own ability. There's not one of us can drive back the, 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 these satanical forces of their own strength. But oh, call the Lord into the battle. Call the Lord into the fight. I can tell you that's what, that's what Michael the archangel, whenever he, he was contesting with the devil over the body of Moses, he said, the Lord rebuked thee. And what Michael couldn't do, oh, thank God the Lord can do. That's it. To call the Lord into the battles in the, the family. To call the Lord into the battles in the mind. And whenever the opposition comes, and my, the darkness is there, and you can't pray through, and you can't break through, and there's that fear, and you can almost cut the tension in the atmosphere with a knife. Here's the answer to it all. Oh, call the Lord and Call the Lord into the battle. Oh, that's what Paul said. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. He had frequent discouragement. Are you discouraged today? <laughs> Do you know what it is to be discouraged? Paul, coming to the end of his life, he says, you know, when I look at some people, he says, I think I've labored in vain. I feel as if I've just labored in vain. And just like Elijah under the juniper tree, there's times in the Apostle Paul's life whenever he was discouraged. And whenever he was in the prison cell, he said to young Timothy, at my first answer, and that was whenever he stood before Felix and King Agrippa, he said, at my first answer, whenever I stood before Felix, and whenever I stood before Agrippa, there was no man stood with me. I had to stand on my own. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. Near this little man in the battle, oh, I can tell you, my dear people, and he could say, the God who comforteth them that are cast down comforted me. 
And if you're in the battle today, let me tell you, the Lord is able to comfort. The Lord is able to sustain. The Lord is able to defeat the enemy today as well as by the side of the Galilee. Ah, here's one more, and I thought I wasn't going to say it. There's not only the fierce opposition. That was some battle. There's not only the false doctrine, and that was some battle. There's not only the forces of darkness and the frequent discouragement. Here's a word to some of you older people here. There's a physical difficulty. I can tell you this man that was exalted to heaven. This man that was caught up into the third heaven. And I think it would happen whenever he lay outside Iconium. And he lay there as if he was dead. I think it was then that the Lord caught him up. And he said, I was caught up to the third heaven. And he said, I saw things that are not even lawful for me to utter. I haven't got the language in my vocabulary to talk about those things that I saw. And he said, lest I should be exalted above measure. He said, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan. And you know, my dear people, there was a battle that Paul fought every day. And it was the battle of physical difficulty. Now, let me ask you a question today. Have you got a physical difficulty? Some ailment? Some sickness? Some disability in your physical frame? And you say, Lord, I can tell you I'm tired of the pain. I'm tired of the limitations. I'm tired of the tiredness. I'm tired of being sick. And as a man said to me recently, I'm sick, Stephen, of being sick. <laughs> and it's a battle of physical difficulty. And this is what Paul said. He said, I prayed three times that the Lord would lift it, lift it from me. And the same voice that spoke to him on the Damascus road spoke to him again. And he said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And he said, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmity that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And my dear people, whatever ailment that you have, and I know some of you here are not well. I know there's physical restrictions in your own life. I want to tell you whatever ailment that you have and whatever limitation that you have, I can tell you God will give you the grace. He'll give you the grace. He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. I tell you, my dear people, that's it. And maybe there's a physical ailment that you have and you say, Lord, I wish you would lift it from me. Well, Paul had this thorn in the flesh to the day that he died. But Paul was able to say this. In all these things, we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. Whenever the Civil War was going on in America, and the Confederate soldiers were standing on the battle line, and the Union soldiers were coming, it was their last defense. It was the last battle. There was young, one young man in the Confederate army, 17 years of age, and as he stood on the front line with his rifle and bayonet, and as he could see the Union armies coming, he was gripped by fear. And he began to whistle with a tone of nervousness, when peace like a river attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll, Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say. 
It is well, it is well with my soul. And as he was whistling, knowing it was the last night, there was a man came to his side. And while the young man was whistling, he began to sing. And the young man looked through the darkness, and you know who it was. It was one of the generals of his army. My dear people, in whatever battle you're facing, let me tell you this. There's a man not only on the throne, but there's a man that is ever at your side. And he said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. That's it. Now here's one question to you as a close. Are you a good soldier? Are you free? Are you faithful? Are you fearless? May I encourage every one of us today to get into the battle because on the cross, let me tell you, that was the greatest battle that ever was. And he defeated death and hell and sin in the grave. And he rose victorious. Hallelujah. What a Savior.